So break it down. What what makes money good? <laughs> so um, you know the thing with with money, it's just like a it's, it's a tool, right? And um, been fortunate with my career to you know uh, do quite well. And I kind of think of these different buckets, right? You know, there's philanthropy, there's supporting young entrepreneurs, all the kind of things, and, and then the you know, lifestyle bucket and random acts of kindness, different ways. And, um, and so gold's been this sort of store of wealth for many years. And, um, you know, I, I did an interview earlier in the year and we're talking about, you know, Bitcoin and, you know, is it a, is it a currency, right? And I said, you know what, it's, I, I wouldn't look at it as a currency yet, right? Because it's quite volatile, right? So I look at it as basically an asset, it's a crypto asset, right? And, and so I think everybody in their portfolio should have a section that's in crypto. All right, everybody, we are back on Off the Ledger, bringing you insights from people working behind the scenes to make your life that much easier and seamless. Uh, joining me today is founder, investor, director, and advisor to countless enterprises, including Varshan Capital, Mogo, Rentmula, OneFeather, and just so many more. Uh, Praveen Varshani is an industry veteran who specializes in public venture capitals, uh, capital markets. Thanks for joining me today, Praveen. It's been a while since we last spoke. I'm so excited to catch up and uh, on everything you've been up to. I think it must have been around 2017 last time we met up in person. I remember you you purchased your first sort of crypto around that time. Mm -hmm. It was a crazy year for Bitcoin, crazy time for all, you know the crypto market and stuff. Yeah. Um, what made you decide to purchase it? My son. <laughs> so so uh, our, our son, Anisha, he was probably... 15 at the time or 14 but anyways there's a funny story so he's like dad there's a thing called you know bitcoin and blah blah, blah and, I, and an account to open so i can buy some and and so i'm a miner and so i had to open an account in my name and he had access to it but uh, you know he started with like 500 dollars of his own money and he kind of tripled it right away and then uh, a month later he came to me and said hey dad can i have another five grand to kind of invest with and and I've always encouraged him and, and our daughter just to try things and experiment and take chances and fail, right? Um, and so I became his partner with this loan. And then he did, you know, I think he doubled that money. And then the kicker though was uh, about a month later, he did this beautiful PowerPoint pitch deck, more for my wife. And I knew I was coming, so I kind of primed her for it. But basically he was explaining to her what you know, Bitcoin was and, 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 you know, crypto and how his account's done. And at the end was the ask for 45 grand, right? Just like a 15, 16 year old. And so my wife's like, there's no way I'm giving you that much more to kind of, you know, experiment with her, or, even though you've done well. And uh, I think I gave him another 20 grand. So he had a decent sized start with his uh, crypto portfolio. And then um, the winter hit. And so we basically kind of sat together and decided that, you know what, um, why don't we just you know, like put all the money, sell some of the different altcoins and focus on a couple of big ones, Ethereum and, and Bitcoin. And, and so we've kind of held on to it uh, since then. And so the portfolio has done quite well with the way, you know, those things have done in the last few years. Um, and then he, he continued to educate himself around some of the other alts. And so there was one in January that he bought. I can't remember the name, but he's done quite well on that one. So he's still quite actively like following and, and, and um, you know, doing things in the space. So yeah, it's kind of yeah. to see how he does it. Maybe it was Solana or something like that that's done quite well <laughs> since that time. Yeah. But one of the uh, one of the interesting things somebody shared with me is um, 
I think you've sort of said this maybe that you argue that that uh, Bitcoin beats gold as good money. Mm-hmm. So so break it down. What what makes money good? <laughs> so. Um... You know the thing with with money, it's just like a it's, it's a tool, right? And um, been fortunate with my career to you know uh, do quite well. And I kind of think of these different buckets, right? You know, there's philanthropy, there's supporting young entrepreneurs, all kind of things, and, and then the you know, lifestyle bucket and random acts of kindness, different ways. And um, and so gold's been this sort of store of wealth for many years. And um, you know, I, I did an interview earlier in the year, and we're talking about you know Bitcoin and you know is it a, is it a currency, right? And I said, you know what, it's I, I wouldn't look at it as currency yet, right? Because it's quite volatile, right? So I look at it as basically an asset, it's a crypto asset, right? And and so I think everybody in their portfolio should have a section that's in crypto, right? Um, and uh, so. You can try and buy it directly, but there's also other ways to own it, right? There's just several co- public companies that are miners. Um, and so uh, we're behind one that just listed today on the TSX Venture Exchange and the ticker symbol SATO, S-A-T-O. They're a, a green miner. So it's nice because they're using uh, like um, uh, hydro energy, that kind of stuff. Okay, um, interesting. But yeah, I, I truly believe that everybody should have a slice just based on your own circumstances in you know the crypto space, whether it's direct right or through a minor you know publicly traded minor um so yeah and then eventually i think we will see you know currencies um whether it's backed by a country or you know a different one that's actually not as volatile but i, I look at it more as an asset right now right so stable stable coins are probably we're, we're suggesting that maybe you'll see more adoption and more usage as far as transactional and yeah and being investment oriented. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 you know they they trade like just like a stock, and you can drive yourself crazy watching them up and down, right? And so when I'm an investor in my you know companies and my stocks, like I'm thinking long term, and I think that's also the way to kind of you know invest in this space, you know, versus like watching it every day and and you know drive yourself crazy too when you see the volatility. Right? Yeah, for sure. So now I, I know Praveen is social impact is a huge big consideration for you. Um, you know, I need your thoughts on something. I recently saw, I'm going to read this actually uh, from uh, a report from Deloitte. It says less than a half a million millennials and Gen Z see businesses as a force for good in society. And then a majority said they thought businesses had no ambitions beyond profitability. What do you think of these stats? Uh, I think they're they're off and wrong. <laughs> um, and so, you know, like I, I started my social impact ESG journey 20 years ago when it wasn't even a word or a trend. And, and you know, there's a long story behind that just quickly. But, you know, like when I was in my 20s, one of my first companies was a land-based casino company, right? And so we helped start these First Nation casinos in California. Um, and wind clock forward, you know, the way I phrase it was three things. One, just your agent experience, learning that just because something's legal doesn't mean it's good or right. So, so you were pitching me a casino deal and no disrespect to many people that make their living in a legal industry, right? It just doesn't fit our values because there are going to be some people that are going to be hurt along the way, right? With addiction, whatever. Um, and the second factor was the lens of becoming a parent. And I found it really impacted how I looked at not only business, but the planet, because all of a sudden you got these beautiful people in your life and you think about how do you make the planet better for them and future generations and use business as a tool to create sustainable change. Because charity and philanthropy is important and needed, 
and we've got a foundation, family foundation, my wife runs, but it's sustainable business is how we're going to fix the air, the soil, the ocean, the plastic, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and the third factor is as you get older, you know, um, you start thinking potentially about legacy, like, you know, what's your role on the planet? Why do you exist? You know, when you die, is anybody going to care? Is anybody going to show up at your funeral? Like, what are they going to say about you, right? And so I find, um, you know, these, you know, multiple entrepreneurs like Lawrence at One Feather that, that we're working with, uh, it's just super rewarding to do good, right? And and do well, <laughs> like, like you can actually do very well financially. People used to think that by doing, you know, good, you can't make as much money, but we've, you know, we've been making like 10 baggers over and over a lot of the social impact entrepreneurs we've been working with. Um, and I find uh, I sleep really well at night because I just feel really proud of what I've done all day and I have no problems getting up in the morning. Like some of my friends between 50 and 60 are retiring and I'm like, retire what? Like, this is just so much fun, right? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And then um, to the point of millennials, like at least maybe it's a circle I hang around with. Um, in the war for talent, what I tell entrepreneurs is the younger generation only want to work for companies that are doing something amazing, impactful. Like they don't want to just show up for the man and get a paycheck and go through the motions, right? Because they know you spend so much of your day at work. So, um, and you can't greenwash, like, um, you know, people say, well, what social impact mean? So I start with, I can tell you what it isn't, right? So it's not like a tobacco company that takes 10% of the profits and gives it to a charity, right? You know, it's more about the, the, the why, you know? And so if you had, you know the two of us in a room and the entrepreneur explained what they're working on you would just say yes that is amazing that you're doing something good for the planet people are probably both so uh, there's actually again in circles i run more and more capital moving into the sector um and have you ever read the uh dr seuss book the lorax or the movie i haven't i haven't myself no oh, okay okay well so so it's an awesome movie so dr seuss like he wrote this thing out oh, 40 years ago whatever and so he had it right like you know if we're all just so busy consuming the earth with their heads down, right? Scorch earth, we're going to be dead, right? And um, uh, so I truly believe that we shouldn't even differentiate between business and social impact, you know, ESG business. By definition, all business should be ESG, right? Because if not, we're all screwed. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really fun to work with the people that we do because they're all just lovely people like that high bar of would you invite to your you know lovely home for dinner right kind of thing right <laughs> gaming not so much like i used to be an internet game. like that's even a different sector right so it's like that's great i recently had uh david katz on the podcast uh, as you know what he's doing i it's so inspirational to hear about the success of course because there is a profitable enterprise business behind it but the the social impacts that 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 project is is doing is unbelievable yeah i know david's a longtime friend of mine from my global entrepreneur group eo and when he started that journey i was with him right at the very beginning to providing good advice guidance so i was actually cfo for a bit of time and one of his first investors and so i've been following the plastic bank is what it's called um you know it's just really amazing because they're alleviating poverty huge uh, goal right there but also helping to solve the ocean plastic problem at the same time yeah so you mentioned a couple of projects that you're personally involved with. Are there any startups that really stand up for you? Um, oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> you know, we've, I, I'm, I'm always meeting entrepreneurs because I just, you know, love to support the ecosystem and, and uh, you can't invest in all of them. And so for me, it's more about hopefully providing some advice, guidance and contacts and, and sometimes investing capital as well to create another successful entrepreneur who has some financial freedom and some time freedom. So now they can go find another entrepreneur or a charitable cause. So I'm trying to replicate, multiply it and build an ecosystem. 
But um, uh, we've recently been investing in the last couple of years in the food space, right? So um, it's unfortunately a lot of ill health in North America, not because people don't exercise, but because of, you know, like the crappy diet, right? And all the processed food and the chemicals, that kind of thing. And um, you know, it's all sort of ESG sort of focused. Um, and then, you know, maybe, especially in Vancouver, like you catch on to having a cleaner diet, but then you also learn you have to clean up your environment, right? Because there's so many chemicals in your life, right? With your soap, shampoos, you know, deodorants, that kind of stuff, and your skin is your largest organ. And so it's just like bad diet. It's not going to get you right away, but it's going to be slow cumulative build up over time. It's going to get you, right? And so it's kind of neat to see you know, a lot of entrepreneurs all picking their different areas of, of you know, health and wellness, right? MedTech uh, is a, a cool one too. So we have a company called Darwin Labs. And so they're a global B2B SaaS, like three amazing words right there, <laughs> employee health and wellness company. And so we've got uh, clients like NBC Universal. Our pipeline of companies we're engaged with include like the Who's Who logos, like you know, Lululemon, Baker Airport, you know, goes on and on. So that's a, a new one that we're quite excited about. And we're doing a seed round uh, on that one. That's great. You're, you're really involved with a lot of projects. And I hope that people get a chance to take a look at uh, some of your profile and uh, <laughs> get a chance to, to check out some of the projects. I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I, I, I think we're seeing sort of a global economic change. People are really feeling the effects of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, a, over a year and a half now, um, but it's also been a great time for business innovation. How can entrepreneurs be prepared in the environment? So uh, firstly, I mean, there's a lot of capital available now, right? And, and the money's a lot more global, like even just in Canada, you barely ever got US VCs to invest in Canada, right? Because you, you had to move to Silicon Valley or to Seattle to tap US money and the borders disappeared. You know, I'm an investor in a global fund called True Global Ventures, right? TGV. Uh, we just raised $100 million US and it's a really unique model. So we have, I don't know, probably 50 LPs and we're all, you know, GPs as well, but we're based in countries all around the world, you know, Russia, England, Sweden, US, Canada. And so the thing with, um, money when you're an entrepreneur is there's money for the sake of money but generally i'm advising entrepreneurs to default to that smart strategic value add money right that's going to provide you a lot more than just the check right and then another thing you learn through experience is even before you get to that smart strategic value add money you want value aligned money right because i've seen the mistake where maybe you got a smart investor that's making you cut corners to be more profitable well, that's not going to fit your values and that's going to be a recipe for disaster or, or divorce, right? And so you want value aligned first and smart strategic value add on top, right? And um, uh, so that's what we consider ourselves. And, and often more with the angel ones, you know, what I tell the entrepreneurs, hey, you know, my 25, 50 grand check is not going to change your life. What is, is my advice and contacts. That's what you really want, right? So, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, don't be shy. Like uh, reach out for, for um, you know, help, like especially mentorship. And that's kind of a sneaky way to get capital, right? And so that's what I will tell entrepreneurs. I go, you know, when you, especially if you're a young entrepreneur, because older people are willing to spend some time with you to, you know, sit down over coffee. But it's also uh, um, a relief when you show up and tell someone, hey, I'm not actually raising money, right? Because then you go, oh, okay, it's not a pitch. I just want some advice, guidance. And um, so that's often what I do in my angel investing is I start with mentoring. And then I get to know the company, the person, the industry, et cetera, from the inside. And over a period of, you know, one, three, four, five, six months, really get to know them well. And I have a much more informed basis to make that investment decision. But it's a two-way street. 
now the entrepreneur really gets to know you and decide do they really want you on the cap table and it's you know when you're building a company and you've got a really super successful you know large company when you're building your team up there's an expression you want to hire slowly like take your time and then fire quickly right but it's the same thing also in your cap table like you're actually interviewing people you know ideally to see if you really want to take up a pressure spot <laughs> right on there um but yeah it's a as i said earlier it's exciting time for entrepreneurs and um you know just kind of go for it i was uh i was gonna ask you next question of uh what you would uh, suggest for a new entrepreneur starting up but in in that one question you you gave so many so many purposes and reasons and suggestions i i think those are some of the best ones i would uh, personally give too i think mentorship and and the value of uh guidance from people that have been not necessarily that everybody knows because obviously we're seeing a tremendous amount of innovation and change just in the last few years that perhaps we wouldn't have seen ourselves even five years ago uh, from new entrepreneurs and new people. But I, I definitely think uh, some of the suggestions you have is, is really good. So what about uh, books? I see all these books. Behind <laughs> what, uh, what do you suggest for, uh, for a new entrepreneur today? So uh, sort of a couple of buckets, right? So one is, um, you know, we're talking about mentorship, right? So mentorship doesn't necessarily need to be a live person, right, that you know, right, it can actually come in books, right, so if you read biographies of people, right, um, older ones or current ones, like, so it's a great way to kind of just, you know, get lessons from other people, and, you know, there, there's a, a professional speaker that uh, I used to read, and he had an expression that um, uh, pioneers, right, like, they got shot because they had, you know, arrows in their backs, right, and so you don't need to blaze your own trail, like, basically, you just want to, like, you know, copy what someone else has done and maybe tweak it, right? <laughs> and so, uh, like, success leads tracks, as I said, right? Um, and there are some really good books. Like, I've helped write a couple of books. Um, I'm working on my own book. Um, the title of my book is called Do You Want an Ordinary Life or an Extraordinary Life? And it's more of a journal for our kids, right? Kind of life advice stuff. And so it's a lot of things I've learned in my 56 years on the planet, <laughs> plus sort of the best of some of these other books and speakers I've met. And, and uh, it's uh, put into sections like life experiences, uh, health and wellness and finance and investing. And, and um, uh, so it's, it's sort of a work in progress. So it's not really to publish and make money, but eventually I'll sort of have a manuscript that I can hopefully leave behind. <laughs> uh, one of the books I am really proud of that I helped write is uh, a friend of mine, Peter Thomas. So he's a successful real estate entrepreneur. And so his book is called Life Manual. And you have a second one called um, Be Great. And in both of them, I write a chapter on building a personal brand and using the value of integrity as a cornerstone to build your personal brand. Because, you know, just like companies have brand, we have brands, especially these days, because you know, you're not, you know, leaving university or, you know, starting your work career and, and being in this job for like 20 years, like maybe your parents did, right? Now, by the time you're 30, you probably have four or five jobs. So your brand is moving with you as you move around, right? And um, uh, there's sort of two sort of integrities that I talk about. So there's that internal integrity, which is being true to yourself and your values, right? It's the old, how do you act when nobody's watching? Like if I tell my kids, you shouldn't litter. If I'm in the forest, I shouldn't litter, right? Um, and there's that external integrity, which is, you know, saying what you mean and doing what you said you're gonna do, right? Like keeping your promises and even better, it's an acronym that uh, I spell UPOD that I pronounce UPOD, which stands for under promise and over deliver, right? As opposed to OPOD, 
which is the opposite <laughs> overpromise and underdeliver, <laughs> which unfortunately can be human nature because you tell people what you think you, they want to hear to please themselves and, and, and uh, yourself and you set yourself up for disappointment, right? So, and I used to use these acronyms and expressions so often I've actually trademarked them. So I own the trademarks on all four of those things. But uh, yeah, to me, it's such a, a key important part of life to properly set and manage expectations so you can UPOD all over the place. You know, as simple as something as, hey, I'm going to return your phone call, you know, next Monday and you phone the person like today, right? Um, and if you develop that reputation as a crusher, because you're always like over delivering everywhere, then you become that go-to person that everybody wants on their team, right? It's no different than when you're a kid in the schoolyard and second captain, first pick, I'm picking Jason, right? <laughs> and so I've found that's been one of the things that's really helped me to have that, you know, business success that's led to financial freedom, that's led to time freedom, right? By being, you know, a man of integrity, right? Just in my personal life and in my business life, so. That's uh, it's, uh, one of the things I've respected mostly over the many, many years I've known you, Praveen, is, uh, is that integrity. So I hope that uh, you're okay with me borrowing the uh, U-Pod. <laughs> well, usually I charge 50 cents. My, my team. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, please share share the information. We just, you know, that's uh, the whole idea. So even with this podcast, maybe there's a nugget or two that's going to help someone on their journey. And and, and that's the other thing in life is, is uh, I tell people, um things happen for a reason you meet people for a reason you may not know it at the time but the universe is paying out playing out it's creating great amazing grand design and you just have to be a player in it and let it and not block the energy right so that you know chance conversation that one piece of advice is going to set you on a path that becomes your luck right and so that's uh, uh, i think this is the reason i really started this podcast honestly Praveen, is to uh, to be able to share wisdom, ideas, and, and concepts from people like yourself with uh, with others. So I know I've learned so much from myself uh, by all the, the fortune that I've had to connect with people like yourself. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's great to be part of this. And thanks for including me. Absolutely. And uh, Prafeen, I'm going to um, uh, share some contacts and resources and tools and people that uh, uh, for people to see afterwards. So if you have anything you want to share with us, please let us know and then we'll leave uh, that information for everybody. So for sure. I really appreciate your time today, your insights, your wisdom, and uh, and really your sharing. So thanks for being My pleasure. I'll send some stuff to you shortly. All right, everybody, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining the Off the Ledger podcast today. Remember to uh, listen to the newest podcast wherever you regularly listen to podcasts. Thank you very much. Have a great day.